Good morning, everybody. Everybody doing well? Good. I'm so grateful that you're here this morning. Thank you for saying yes to Jesus. Uh, I'm going to continue with my series. Kurt already mentioned it, but man, just man, we're going to have a great time next weekend, Easter. We're going to do four services, so there's plenty of room. Uh, we're expecting five or 600 people this next weekend, and man, we're going to reach them for Christ, and God's going to do good things. Amen? Amen. Last week, I talked to you about how Moses and the children of Israel came out of slavery and into the wilderness, and when they got to a place where there was water, it was bitter. And God told Moses, I want you to cut down a tree, and I want you to drop the tree in the water. And when he did, the water became sweet. And what I talked about was how that tree represented the cross of Jesus Christ, and that bitter water represented your life. Listen, all of us across this room have been through things or may even be going through things. And my encouragement to you then and now is, is turn to the cross, turn to Jesus Christ, because he is what you need and he'll help you get through what you need to get through. Well, I'm going to take another Old Testament story this morning, and I'm going to show you how the cross and how Jesus Christ is in this story. Now, let me just remind you, Jesus is the hero of the Bible, not Moses, not David, you know, one of the mistakes that we make particularly, and we can even do it with, with New Testament, with the disciples, is we think that those people are somehow superhuman or, or that they were perfect when in fact they were ordinary men and women just like we are. They were ordinary people. Now, I'm not downplaying who they are, and God did great things through them, but God wants to do great things through you and through I. And in fact, the truth is you have something that they didn't have. You have the Lord Jesus Christ dwelling on the inside of you if you've asked him into your heart and you're a Christian. They lived under the old covenant. You and I live under the new covenant. And the Bible says that we have a covenant that has better promises. So you have something they didn't have. But all through the Old Testament, in every one of the books of the Bible, Jesus is in those stories. And so I'm going to show you another story this morning and show you how Jesus is in this story. I'm going to read to you this morning out of 2 Kings chapter 6. I'm going to start with verse 1, and I'm going to read a story to you, and it's in the New King James Version. Listen to what it says. And the sons of the prophets said to Elisha, See now, the place where we dwell with you is too small for us. Please let us go to the Jordan and let every man take a beam from there and let us make there a place where we may dwell. So he answered, go. Then one of them said, please consent to go with your servants. And he answered, I will go. So he went with them. And when they came to the Jordan, they cut down trees. But as one was cutting down a tree, the iron axe head fell into the water. And he cried and said, alas, master, it's borrowed. So the man of God said, where did it fall? And he showed him the place. He cut off a stick or branch off one of the trees, and he threw it in the water, and he made the iron float. Therefore, he said, pick it up yourself for yourself. So he reached out his hand, and he took it. Now, that's an amazing story. It's a crazy story. It can even be a weird story. You think, what in the world is that doing in the Bible? That's one of those stories that if I was doing a series on things that you wouldn't think would be in the Bible, that would be one of them. And when you read that story by itself, you think, what in the world is going on here? Why is this even here? Well, there's layers of truth 
that I want you to see this morning that you're going to be able to apply to your life that will help you personally. It is a crazy story. Elisha is a prophet, and they had a school of the prophets, and they had young men who were training in this school. And I want you to imagine with me, uh, I went to Bible school uh, when, when I was young to prepare for ministry, and in a sense, that's what they're doing. They're in a school of the prophets, and they're preparing and they're training for ministry. Well, they're out of room, and it says that they need more room. Uh, maybe the dorm room there in in my mind's eye I can imagine them being in a dorm room and it's full and so they need more room so one of them says hey why don't we go down and uh, down to the Jordan to the river where there's trees and let's cut down some lumber and uh, cut down some trees and let's go back and let's add on to our dorm room or let's build a new dorm room and let's let's make it bigger so they say, great idea. So they gather up all their tools, and they get down to the river. And when they get down there, one of the young prophets is chopping. You can imagine he's chopping down a tree, and as he swings that axe, the head flies right off of it. And it flies right out into the Jordan River, and it sinks. Now, the Jordan River is not the Caribbean. It's not blue and clear. It's brown and muddy. So that axe head is instantly gone. Now, typically in those times, metal objects were made out of bronze, but this is made out of iron, and so it made it more valuable. So he's instantly lost this axe head. And he says to the prophet, he says, oh, my gosh, I've lost the head. Uh, it was borrowed. And so the prophet says, well, where did it go in at? So he points to him, and so he goes over there, and he cuts off a stick. And he drops the stick in the water. And when he does, the iron head floats to the surface. And the young man reaches out and picks it up. And uh, disaster is diverted. And he puts it back on. And he's able to give it back to the person that he borrowed it from. I want to show you three simple truths in this story that will help you in your personal life. Here's the first simple truth about this story. The axe head and the axe was a small thing. Okay, in the scheme of things, okay, he had borrowed it, but it's not like he borrowed a car. It's not like he borrowed somebody's house and tore it up. This is a hand tool, and in the scheme of things, it's a small thing. Here's the first truth I want you to get this morning. God cares about the small things in your life. God cares about the small things in your life. Listen to this statement. The small things matter to your father because you matter to your father. Now, you may have big things going on in your life that you need prayer for, but you can also have small things. Here's one of the mistakes we make as Christians. Well, God's busy. God's got a lot of important things to do, and he doesn't want me bothering him with the details of my life. And I want to encourage you that nothing could be further from the truth. Okay, this story seemed like a small thing, but God, by his grace and by his power, uses the prophet and raises the head up where they can get it and, it, and the ax is restored and given back. God cares about the small things in your life. I want to read you two simple stories in the New Testament, and they're two examples of how you have value. Matthew 6, 25, Jesus is speaking. I'm reading in the New Living Translation. Listen to what it says. This is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life, whether you have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear. Isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns, for your heavenly Father feeds them. Aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? Listen to it again. Aren't you far more valuable to them than they are? Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? And the answer to that, of course, is no. Another translation says, can it add an inch to your height? What, what's the point of this simple little story right here? The simple truth of this story is, to God, you have great value. 
I want you to allow that to sink into your soul this morning, to sink into your heart. You matter to God, and the things in your life matter to God. And don't you believe the lie that, oh, that's too small, that's not important. Don't, don't bother God with that. Don't bother the Father with that because the smallest thing matters. I want to read you another simple little story. Matthew 10, 29, Jesus is speaking again. He says, what is the price of two sparrows, one copper coin? Now, just for the point of argument, I want you to allow that copper coin to be a penny. Okay, now, I didn't do study on how much that copper coin is worth, but let's just say it's a penny. What is the price of two sparrows, one penny? But not a single sparrow falls to the ground without your father knowing it. The hairs on your head or the lack thereof that's the rusty translation, are all numbered. Don't be afraid. You're more valuable to God than a whole flock of sparrows. Listen to me. What's the point of that? The point Jesus is making is God cares when a single sparrow falls from a tree to the ground. And sparrows don't have much value. When you have those little brown birds in the trees in your yard, you don't think much about them. You don't think they have much value. And he says, if God cares about a single sparrow, they would sell two for a penny to make a sacrifice. If God cares about that, how much more does he care about you? How much more value do you have than a sparrow? The first truth I want you to see this morning is God cares about the small things in your life. Let me read it to you one more time. The small things matter to your father because you matter to your father. Listen, I love my wife and I love my children and I love their mates and I love my granddaughter. And there's no detail in their life so small that it doesn't matter to me or that it's unimportant. Why? Because they have value and they matter. This last week, Vicki and Ashley and some other ladies here in the church went to Waco on a little trip. And when they went on the trip, Ashley left her car at my house. And, of course, she left the keys. And uh, while she was gone, I took her car and I cleaned it up. And I cleaned out the inside of it, and I I scrubbed it and cleaned it. That thing was sticky from top to bottom. I don't know what she does in that thing, man. I do not know, but it was dirty. And I cleaned it up. I scrubbed it, and it was full of all kinds of receipts and papers and all kinds of stuff. And so I didn't want to throw anything away because it's not my car. So I went and got a gallon Ziploc bag, and I gathered up all the receipts and all the pieces of paper, and I put them all in that Ziploc bag and sealed it up and left it in the front seat because I didn't want her to say, my Lord, where's this receipt? I had this receipt. It was worth $800, okay? So I didn't want that to happen. So I saved all the receipts. Well, I cleaned her car from top to bottom, scrubbed it, cleaned it. Uh, I took it down and filled it up with gas. And uh, when she got home, man, it was all clean and ready to go. Now, I can't imagine once she has two kids in car seats, that thing will be full of Cheerios. It'll be full of fruit roll-up wrappers. I mean, there'll be Kool-Aid on the windshield. I don't know. I can't imagine. I mean, I don't know what she does in that thing. Even in the back, it's like something ate the carpet. I don't even know what I'll, I'll find out about that later, what that was. Okay. Now, I, now listen to me. Don't misunderstand me. Okay. I, I want you to understand something very simple. When she went out to leave to go home, she opened the door and she said, Oh, she said, dad, did you clean my car? And I said, yeah, I did. And she said, Oh, thank you. It felt so good. Now there's a verse in the Bible that talks about that. And Jesus said, It's more blessed to give than to receive. And the feeling I got when my daughter smiled and received an unexpected blessing from me, she didn't ask me to do it. 
it felt better than anything I could have received. You know, a lot of times you hear that verse and you think, well, I don't know what that verse means. Well, if you've ever done something for somebody out of the goodness of your heart, expecting nothing in return, you know how good it feels. Why did I do it? I did it because she matters to me. I didn't do it to gain favor. I didn't do it because it was my son-in-law's responsibility and he doesn't do what he's supposed to do and I did. I didn't do it for that reason, right? I'm Seriously, I only did it because I wanted to be a blessing to her. I didn't do it thinking, well, you don't do your job. I did it to bless her, and it felt good. Listen to me. Your heavenly Father is the very same way. The smallest details of your life matter to him. And if he knows when a sparrow hits the ground, you have greater value than anything else in creation. You know, we live in a time and a culture, and I believe in stewardship. Don't misunderstand me. I believe we should take care of the earth. It's our responsibility to do so. But sometimes we can hear things, <coughs> excuse me, in the news, and we think we don't have a lot of value, that, you know, the whale matters, the killer whale matters, the, you know, the, this matters. Listen, you have great value, and God cares about the small things in your life. Can I encourage you this morning to pray Take those small things to God, and he'll take care of them for you. Amen? Here's the second truth I want you to see. <clears throat> Maybe it was his fault, the, the, the guy that had the axe. What do you mean, Pastor? Well, he borrowed it, right? I could preach a 30-minute sermon on not borrowing stuff, right? Oh, right? We all had those horror stories, right? Yeah, when Vicky and I were young married... I mean, we were young married. We lived in Amarillo. We lived on Lawrence Street in a duplex. And uh, we had a little tiny yard, and I wanted to work in the yard, and I wanted it to look nice. Well, we didn't have any tools because we're just young married. So the neighbor man had a hoe, and I went over and knocked on his door one afternoon and said, can I borrow your hoe? I'd like to chop some weeds. He said, sure, you can borrow it. I took it over to the house, and the first chop, I broke the handle out of it. The first chop, I broke the handle. Bam, it broke. Well, I had to go to the hardware store and buy him a brand new hoe. And while I'm buying that, you know what I thought, right? Maybe I should have just bought my own and, and it would have been all okay, right? Well, but that's not what this is about. I've got some good friends, Vicki and I do, that live in Lubbock. And years ago, uh, they were young and they wanted a garden in their backyard, but they didn't have any rototiller or anything. So they went to a friend and borrowed a rototiller and they put it in the back of their truck. And on the way to their house, somehow during traffic, it bounced out of the back of the pickup into the road. Yes, and rolled it up in a ball and tore it all to pieces. Then they had to go down and buy them a brand new rototiller. Thank God I only had to buy a hoe and not a rototiller. Amen. Okay. Then, then one time, uh, Bernie and Lou were gracious enough to let me borrow their four-wheeler and I took it to Red River, New Mexico on vacation and nobody was supposed to ride it but me so it didn't get tore up. And I told the boys, y'all can't ride this. Y'all will tear it up. Well, you know what happened, right? Yeah. I'm going up this hill on this, on this, uh, almost sit on the rototiller, but on the four-wheeler, I wasn't riding the rototiller, and I'm going up this hill on this four-wheeler, and I'm going to turn and kind of do a donut, and that's the last thing I remember. Somehow, I don't know how, but somehow I'm on the ground, and that four-wheeler's on top of me, and she, I said she, was doing things to me that were not pleasant. <laughs> well, it rolled down the hill, and it tore it all to pieces. Lou, I'm so sorry. And I gave them money to repair it, and it probably wasn't half what it needed to be. Uh, well, I, we could all tell horror stories about borrowing things. Listen to me. 
Sometimes you believe the lie that when you do things and you make mistakes and that they're your fault, that God won't come through for you. And it's not true. Listen very carefully. A lot of you struggle with this. Well, if I hadn't done this, or I hadn't said that, or I made this mistake, and you think sometimes, and this thought comes from the enemy, you think sometimes, well, God wants me to pay or God wants me to suffer. And the only problem with that is, is Jesus already did your suffering for you on the cross, and God's not expecting you to pay for a mistake. Now, sometimes we do pay for mistakes. It's just the way it is. But God's not involved in that. Listen to me. When you make mistakes, God still wants to redeem you. He still wants to bless you. He still wants to take care of you. Don't you believe, well, I blew it. I made a mistake. I shouldn't have borrowed that. I shouldn't have done this. I shouldn't have said that. Maybe he should have checked the head first before he used it. Maybe he shouldn't have borrowed it to begin with. But the point is, is even when you make mistakes, even when you do things that don't work out, God still will take care of you. Right, what's the first truth? The first truth is God cares about the small things in your life. The second truth is even when you blow it, even when you make mistakes, even when it's your fault, God still will come through in your life. Let me show you the third truth. <clears throat> the third truth is this, and this is the most powerful part. It all matters, but I want you to see this the most. The axe represents livelihood. It represents work. The man he borrowed the axe from, I believe, it was a tool he used in his work. Have you ever been in a mechanic shop to get a car worked on and there'll be a sign on the toolbox and it says, we don't loan tools. Have you ever been someplace like that before? Because the man makes a living with those tools and he's not going to loan you his livelihood. He knows not to do that. Well, I want you to imagine this morning that that ax represented the man's livelihood. The guy swings, and when he does, the head flies off, and it flies into the Jordan River. Elisha said, where was it? He pointed to him, and here's what happened. He went and cut a branch off of a tree, and when he dropped that branch in the water over the head, God caused it to float. Now, here's what I want you to see. That branch represents the cross. Last week, when the tree fell in the water, the tree represented the cross. Remember what we found out in Galatians? That Jesus hung on what? A tree. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. Well, this branch came from a tree, and I want it to represent the cross. Now, here's what I want you to see. God wants to use the cross of Jesus Christ to bless and redeem your work and your livelihood. Now, I want to read a verse to you out of Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy 28, verse 8. If you'd put it up on the screen for me, please. I'm going to show you some powerful truths in this verse. It says, The Lord will command the blessing on you in your storehouse and in all which you set your hand to. He'll bless you in the land which the Lord your God is giving you. This was a promise given to the children of Israel, and it was based on the old covenant. And that promise was, if you obey me, I'll bless you. If you disobey me, I'll curse you. You and I have been redeemed or bought from the curse because of Jesus' blood. We get the blessing but not the curse because you're a New Testament Christian. So this verse belongs to you. So you don't be fooled into thinking, oh, that belongs to the Jews. That doesn't belong to us. No, it does too belong to us because we're the seed of Abraham. What does that mean, Pastor? I'm in line with Abraham because of Jesus. The Bible says that you and I are not circumcised on the outside, but in our hearts. 
So this belongs to you. Now look what it says. It says the Lord will command the blessing on you. Now don't you love that? Listen, when I was a kid growing up, I always thought God did some commanding, but it certainly wasn't to bless, right? I mean, he was after me and he wanted to wear me out and not that I didn't deserve it, but he wanted to do it. That's not what it says. It says God will command his blessings on your life. And it says where in your storehouse. Now, what's your storehouse? That can be your checkbook. It can be your bank account. It can be your savings account. It can be your retirement account. It can be your job. Whatever God uses as a financial flow in your life, it says God will command his blessing on your storehouse or on your finances. The next thing it says, and all you set your hand to, that's your job. Now, listen to me very carefully. You may work with your hands. You may not. Listen, in my job, I don't work with my hands. I don't do physical labor. I'm not a mechanic. I'm not a craftsman. There are a lot of men in this church who are very gifted men and work with their hands. So whether you work with your hands at your job or not, what it means is your job, your livelihood. And what does it say? It says God will bless whatever you put your hand to. Now, as I look across this room this morning and I look from wall to wall, I see all kinds of different careers, all kinds of different jobs, all kinds of different employment. I mean, there's teachers, there's coaches, there's all kinds of different jobs. There's highway patrolmen. As I look across this room, all of you have different kinds of jobs. God says this. I'm going to take the cross, and I want to bless your storehouse. I want to bless your job. Now, let me talk to you for just a minute about the cross. What did we find out? Well, in Ephesians, it says, you and I have been saved by grace. The word saved, you remember? It's the Greek word sozo. What happened when I went to the cross? Well, I do get to go to heaven. I, I was saved. But remember what we found out that word means? It means to be complete to be perfect, to be full, or to be whole. Now listen to it again. To be complete, to be perfect, to be full, and to be whole. Listen, I said this last week, and I want to say it again. God does not want to keep you down. God does not want you cursed. He doesn't want you living in hard times. That's not his plan or his purpose. He wants to bless you and redeem you. Look at the promise in this verse. I'm going to bless what you put your hand to. I'm going to bless your job. And then he says, I'm going to bless you in the land which the Lord, the God, the Lord your God is giving you. Now, your land, you may have land, but it may be your house. It can be your job. I live in a rent house. Well, that's where you live. Listen, God wants to bless you, and he wants to take care of you. When the prophet put the stick in the water, that stick represented the cross of Jesus Christ, and it redeemed or raised that axe head to the surface, which represents the man's livelihood he borrowed it from. The student picked it up, put it back together, and graciously took it and gave it back to him. Listen, God wants to redeem you and bless you at your job. Now, here's one of the mistakes we make as Christians. Again, well, God doesn't care where I work. God doesn't care what I do for a living. He's got bigger problems than that. No, God does care because he cares about you. There's nothing, and I know your job's not a small thing, and I know that, but there's nothing in your life too small, and it doesn't matter if it's your fault. Listen, God wants to take care of you. Here's what God wants to do. He wants to bless you and your family through the channel of your job. Now, it's not the only way he blesses you, and he's not limited to only your job, but he will use your job to bless you. Here's what he wants. He wants you to have a roof over your head. He wants you to have enough to eat, and he wants you to have clothes to wear. You know what else he wants? He wants you to drive a car so when you go out in the morning to go to work, it'll start. 
okay? He wants the tires on it to be good where you're not afraid to drive it in rain because you're afraid it's no good because your tires are bald. Listen, I've driven old cars and I've had old cars that I had to take to the mechanic so much that I knew him personally and I felt like I was buying stock in the company. The only thing is I never got any dividends, Right? Anybody ever drove cars like that before? Now, Vicky's grandparents, when we were young married, gave me a 67 Pontiac four-door. That car was as long as from this wall to this wall. I mean, it was the Batmobile, right? And we were always spending money on that car, always working on that car. You know what I'm saying? I mean, we've all been there probably. Maybe you're there right now. Listen to me. God wants to walk you out of that. And he wants to bless your job. And he wants you to have enough to take care of yourself and your family and to be able to be a blessing to somebody else. Listen, God wants you to have a raise. God wants you to have a bonus. God wants you to have benefits. Raises, bonuses, benefits, and promotions. I pray that over my children all the time. Father, I thank you. My children are blessed in their careers. They're blessed in their jobs. You care about their jobs. Listen, if, you're, if you need a different job, God can get you one. If you need a better job, he can get you one. God cares about it. I'm going to read you one more verse. I want to read to you out of Luke chapter 10. Excuse me, Luke chapter 3, verse 10. The crowd asked, what should we do? John replied, if you have two shirts, give one to the poor. If you have food, share it with those who are hungry. Listen to me. Don't you ever believe the lie that God doesn't want you to do well? You know what God wants for you? He wants you to have two coats. So if you know somebody that doesn't have one, you can give one away. God wants you to have plenty to eat. So if you know somebody that doesn't have enough, you can be a blessing to them. See, if you only have one coat, you have to keep it. If you only have one can of beans, you have to eat it. See, God wants to take care of you. Why? So you'll be taken care of because you're his son and daughter and he loves you. And so you can be a blessing to someone else. Listen, I filled up my daughter's car with gas. She didn't need me to do that. They're okay financially. I wanted to do it. Now, don't miss this. That's a father's heart. I wanted to to do it and it brought me great joy to stand there and pump that car full of gas knowing full she doesn't need me to do that see you know what you've believed that lie oh god only meets your needs not your wants that's not the heart of god that's not the heart of any good father i enjoyed being a blessing to her and it brought me great joy. Many of you have done the same thing for people in your neighborhood, people you work with. Doesn't it feel good when you bless somebody else? Man, it feels good. Let me show you three things. Don't miss this. There's nothing in your life too small for God. Can I encourage you? Trust God. Take what you have in your life. No matter, don't believe that lie. Oh, that doesn't matter. God doesn't care. Yes, he does care. Well, it's my fault. I made a mistake. I'm going to have to suffer. No, God will redeem it and take care of it. Well, I shouldn't have done that. I shouldn't have borrowed the four-wheeler. I shouldn't have tried to do a donut in it. <laughs> I shouldn't have rolled it. I did have a helmet on, thank God. It landed right on top of my head. Yeah, and I'm all beat up. When I got to the ER, they said, did you have a helmet on? I said, I did. They said, oh, you'll be fine. <laughs> Amen. Amen. So I, I had some wisdom there. But do you know what? It was my fault, but God redeemed it anyway, and God took care of me. Are you with me? 
And the third thing, the cross of Jesus Christ over your life and over your job. God wants to bless you financially, and he wants to take care of you and your family. Now, listen to me very carefully, and I'm going to close. The cross represents life. Jesus gave his life to give you life. And when you go to the cross, you get completeness, perfection, fullness, and wholeness. Several weeks ago, I said you need to start enforcing the cross over your life. What does that mean? That means when you pray, you say, Jesus, I bring your cross over my job. I bring your cross over my supervisor and my boss. I bring your cross over the company I work for. I bring the cross over my children and over my family and my husband and my wife. I bring the cross over my mother. I bring the cross over my business. Whatever it is you got going on in your life. And when you do that, you know what you're doing? I'm bringing completeness, fullness, wholeness, and perfection over my life. When that axe head was raised from the bottom of that river, God was redeeming his livelihood. Listen, God can take care of you in your job right where you are. He can bless you. He can promote you. He can give you increase. Now, there's nothing wrong with getting different jobs. I know people do that, and I'm not saying that's not okay, but God wants to bless you right where you are. Right where you are, God wants to take care of you. He wants to redeem your job. He wants to bless you financially where you can be a blessing to somebody else. Listen, nothing feels better than being a giver. Nothing feels better than being a giver. When you can sow seed into somebody else's life, when you can give to somebody else, whether it's a simple smile or whatever it is, but you're a blessing. God wants to bless you so you can be a blessing. That's the heart of your father. Amen? Y'all stand up and let's pray. Father God, I love you. Would you just close your eyes with me just for privacy and just open your heart? Lord, I want to pray for every person in this service. And Father, I want to lift up their needs. And Lord, across this room, I know every person in here has needs. And Lord, I know some of them are big needs and some of them are small needs. But Lord, I lift them all up to you. And I pray, God, you're moving in every person's life whether they have pain in their body or they're worried about a child or they're concerned about their finances or their house or their child. God, you are moving in our lives. And Father, I thank you that you're redeeming our lives. Lord, I thank you that it doesn't matter if we've made mistakes. You're a deliverer. You're a redeemer. You're a good father. Lord, I declare the cross over our families. I declare the cross over our jobs, over our businesses, over our homes and our property and our vehicles, over our children and our children's mates and our grandchildren, over our lives. Thank you, Father, that you redeem our jobs, that we're blessed at work, that your hand is on us and you care about our jobs and where we work, and that, God, your grace and strength are on us today. It's in Jesus' mighty name I pray. And everybody said... Amen. Hey, I love each one of you. Y'all going to be blessed.